0: Uh, I've been so blessed uh, and we are so blessed as Vintage Pasadena to be part of a network of churches uh, which serves across LA. And uh, one of my great friends, he's such a good friend that I just ruthlessly am rude to him all the time. That's a very British thing. Um, Is Ash Meany. He is uh, the associate pastor of Vintage Church Santa Monica. His incredible heart for the Lord, ministers amazingly in the Holy Spirit. And he's got a strange accent that is somewhere between Britain and like far down in Australia. Um, But we love him anyway. And he's going to be coming to speak to us on the next part of our series from Moses in a minute. And before he does, I'm gonna get Chris to come up and he's gonna bring the next bit of God's word which is coming to us from the book of Exodus if you have your uh, Bibles open and Chris is gonna read it for us. Good morning. Um, So I'll be starting in Exodus 12 verse one. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> well, after that wonderful, joyful reading <laughs> um, and wonderful introduction, hey, everyone, how you doing? It's so, so lovely to be in Pasadena. It's absolutely beautiful. I, I haven't... Come out here much, and particularly this part of Pasadena is absolutely beautiful. Um, particularly on a day like today, we um, we turned the corner a-, a block away to come towards the school, and there was a peacock just strolling down the sidewalk. <laughs> I'm serious. There was a peacock strolling. Like, do you just take this in your stride? Is that what happens out here in Pasadena? There are peacocks. Is that for real? <laughs> wow, this is, I'm in the wrong place. I've got to get out of West LA and, and, and get to Pasadena. So wonderful. Well, such a treat to be with you today. We did actually think we were seeing things. We stopped. We took photos and a video because I, I, I was like, that, 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 that's a peacock. Um, anyway, there we go. Uh, so great to see you here, so great to see you at home, such a treat to be here. When Ben kindly asked me to come and preach, I thought, oh, how lovely. Then he emailed me this. So glad you're preaching on November 14th. We'll be in a little mini-series on Moses. I thought to myself, wonderful, I do love Moses. And then he said this, and you have the joys of the Passover narrative. It's a bit chunky. The whole of Exodus 12... The week before is on the plagues. This reminded me, in case any of you don't realize, always ask before saying yes to Ben Chase. (laughs) Always ask before saying yes to Ben Chase. So we're going to do a brief but deep dive into into the significance of the Passover. The significance of the Passover. Before we do anything else, I want to invite us to pray. So can we take a moment? Let's bow our heads. Take some deep breaths. Let's pray. And if there's one thing I want us to leave this morning with, it's the words, behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord God, you are the God who hears the cry of his people and out of grace and love send provision to set them free. And so we ask you to speak to us from this incredible story of Passover and may it become a fresh, real, tangible story for us today. I pray this in your name, amen. If I was to ask you to think of images of freedom, I wonder what would come to mind. Perhaps you would think of moments of history like the celebration when the Berlin Wall was being smashed down or the fall of communist Russia. Perhaps it's those more powerful images of singing and dancing around the gates of the prison when Nelson Mandela was released. Can anyone remember those images? I'm the the oldest one here, clearly. Um, uh, uh, Maybe it's Independence Day, something that the Chase and Mini family don't celebrate. Um, But maybe it's Independence Day. Perhaps you think more in terms of Hollywood moments, like the moment when Braveheart refuses to plead mercy and he screams at the top of his voice, freedom, and the camera catches the expressions on the Faces of those who had key roles in his life. Anyone remember that moment of Hollywood cinema uh, moment? Perhaps it's the scene from uh, The Matrix, one of my favorite, favorite films. Neo being kissed by Trinity and resurrecting into new life. And when the, when the agents come to shoot him, he looks at the bullets and he just says no. And they drop to the ground. Or perhaps one of the most powerful Shawshank Redemption. Anyone, that's their favorite film? One of my favorite films, Shawshank Redemption, where Tim Robbins crawls through miles upon miles of raw sewage to fall into a stream, and he stands up in the rain, and it just washes him clean. Powerful images of freedom. What about personal moments of freedom? If I was to ask you to reflect on personal moments, I wonder what comes to mind. The last day of school, When you're allowed to graffiti your school uniform, do you do that here in the States? You're allowed to graffiti your school uniform, everyone signs it, no? Well, we did that in the UK. Everyone signs the the shirts as, as you're on your way out and you sort of graffiti your uniform as a way of saying I've survived and I'm out. Goodbye, school. Turning 21, for some, that's a moment. Your first apartment or even your first legal pint of beer. I still remember the moment I sat in the driving seat of my car having passed my driving license and I remember pulling away from my parents thinking thank you I'm free at last free at last as I drove off into the sunset life had finally begun. Perhaps you think in terms of great spiritual moments a breakthrough. Well for the people of Israel And for Christians, I want to suggest the story of Passover is a defining moment of history, reminding us of our deliverance and freedom from death and slavery. In chapter 12 of Exodus is one of the most important chapters of the book, I want to suggest. In fact, it's one of the most important chapters of the Old Testament, representing Israel's deliverance from slavery, In one chapter, we get a picture of the plight of fallen humanity and the provision of a gracious God who judges sin and death with grace through the blood of a lamb. As you know, the Israelites were living in Egypt in slavery for 400 years. And God sent Moses and Aaron, this is the story you've been looking at, to convince Pharaoh to let them be free. But God hardened Pharaoh's heart And he wouldn't let them go. So God sent 10 plagues to punish Pharaoh and convince him that he was more powerful than all the Egyptian gods. Essentially, it's portrayed as a bit of a face-off, a duel between Yahweh, God of the Israelites, and the Egyptian gods, which I would say is not actually a very fair fight. And you know this. He sent 10 plagues. First, the rivers, streams, canals, and reservoirs of Egypt all turned to blood. Second, a plague of frogs. Anyone here like frogs? There's just a couple of hands. Well, this was a plague of frogs. Literally, the ground was covered with frogs. Next, a plague of gnats. Then a plague of flies. A plague causing the Egyptian livestock to die. A plague of boils. Not a very pretty sight. A plague of hail. A plague of locusts. A plague of darkness. Then came the 10th and final plague. The Spirit of God passed through Egypt, killing the firstborn of every family except those that had the blood of the lamb painted on the top and sides of their doorframe. And this is what becomes known as the Passover. Each Israelite household was to take a lamb without blemish or imperfection and kill it on the evening of the Passover. They were to sprinkle the blood on the sides and top of the doorframe of the house in which it would be eaten. And this would purify the house and prepare it for Yahweh's presence and protection from the slaughtering angel. Sounds a bit like a scene out of a Marvel film, doesn't it? The slaughtering angel. The lamb was then to be roasted over fire. And was to be eaten with unleavened bread. Bread without yeast that hadn't risen and spiced with bitter herbs. Not exactly the tastiest meal. This was the final meal that was to be eaten in preparation for the journey out of Egypt. And Yahweh was going to kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians. So they were told to eat it quickly. In one of the texts it says, loins girded, shoes on feet and staff in hand. In other words, have your bags packed, tank full of gas, get ready to go. And finally, there were two more restrictions. Everything that was left over was to be burnt. The Passover meal could not only be eaten during that night. Sorry, the Passover meal could only be eaten during that night. And finally, not a single bone of the Passover lamb was allowed to be broken. So the Passover meal did four things for the Israelites the sacrifice of the lamb atoned for the sins of the people the sacrifice of the lamb atoned for the sins of the people the blood sprinkled on the doorframe purified those within the home eating the sacrificial meat sanctified those who consumed it and by partaking in the passover meal the people consecrated themselves as a nation holy to God. This is how they saw the Passover meal. So Moses and the Israelites were commanded to trust in the blood of the lamb if they wanted to be protected from God's judgment and delivered from slavery. Then God told Moses that the nation was to celebrate this event year after year after year after year, remembering the time that God delivered his people and took them to the promised land. And to this day, the Jews, the Jewish people, celebrate Passover centered around this very same meal that involves unleavened bread, bitter herbs, and the sacrificial lamb. Has anyone partaken of the Passover? Just a show of hands up high if you're someone who practices Passover wonderful stuff. This remembering and celebrating is really important. Remembering and celebrating is really important because the Jewish people in remembering and celebrating the Passover, it becomes a a central core part of their worship and their identity. It's their defining story of deliverance of his people And generation after generation of Jewish children are raised on this story. So much so, it becomes deeply rooted in their identity. It's who they are. It's how they understand their God. This is our God. This is what he does. He listens to the cry of his people in slavery and out of grace and love, provides a sacrificial lamb, a Passover, a way out into freedom. Do you know this as your story? Do you know this as your God? It shapes and forms who they are as a people, and it shapes and forms their understanding of their God, Yahweh, a God who responds to the cry of his people in slavery and who in grace and love through the blood of the Lamb performs the Passover miracle to set them free. Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. But the Passover is not just representation of Israel's freedom from slavery. And this is where we get roped in. It's a prophetic and symbolic sign of our freedom in Christ it's not just Israel's story, but it becomes our story. For both Jews and Christians, the Passover becomes a picture of the plight of sinful humanity and the provision of a gracious God, of a lamb. And when we get to the Gospels, we get this profound moment of prophetic declaration from John the Baptist as he sees Jesus approaching in John 1:29. We get these incredible words: "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." If there's ever been a more important, powerful prophetic utterance, it's in these words. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, what's happening is that at the point of John's eyes catching Jesus, he sees into the spiritual realm at his true identity and purpose and makes a declaration that he immediately brings to mind the Passover sacrifice of all those who hear. Do you see what John's doing? I mean, I just, I have to say... I. I got stuck in this. I mean, this this is a huge text. Thanks, Ben. Really, really lovely. Um, I got stuck here. This is where I got stuck. To be to be able to see like that, that declaration was was a turning point for the history of the planet. Before anyone ever thought of killing Jesus, John the Baptist identifies him as the lamb sent by God to carry the sins of the world and deliver it from slavery. Wow. Come on, that is a moment. That is a moment. Behold the lamb who takes the sin of the world. John is declaring before anyone, anyone could see it, before anyone knew it, before anyone experienced it, John is declaring that in Jesus, God is providing a new sacrificial lamb. That through the death of Jesus would come a new atonement for sin, for our brokenness, for our fallenness, for all the stuff that we do and has been done to us. And that Yahweh is still in the business of setting captives free. This is our God. This is what he does. That through Jesus would come a new exodus, a new deliverance from slavery, but not just for the Jews, but for the whole world, for you and for me and for our children, and for our children's children, and for our children's children's children, for the whole world. So when Jesus is crucified three years later, during the Passover festival, there's a distinct connection being made in history between the death of Jesus and the sacrificial lamb in the Passover meal. Again, all of this, as it comes together, if you sit in this passage long enough to meditate and connect all the dots, (coughs) it's mind-blowing. This is the God we serve. That during the Passover festival, a new lamb appears. And this lamb is going to do it all for everyone forever, for all of humanity, and for all of creation. He will make all things new. All things new. Some commentators even go as far as to suggest that in, when the Israelites smeared the blood of the lamb on the door frames and on the lint, so top and sides, their hands formed the symbol of a cross. And in a sense, this became a prophetic sign of the grace and deliverance that was to come through Jesus on the cross. I mean, that, yeah, speaks for itself. In the first Passover and at the cross, both God's justice and mercy are revealed. Both the Passover and the crucifixion stand as the dividing lines, the plumb line, between slavery and freedom, between death and life. Like the original Passover, Jesus' death atones for the sin of the people. His blood purifies and cleanses, and his body sanctifies those who partake in his kingdom. At the cross, Jesus suffers as the righteous one who knew no sin, yet became sin for us as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The son becomes the slave that we might become sons and daughters. This is the Lamb of God. Behold, behold the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world and because of this sacrifice because this sacrifice was made by God himself in the form of his son it is the ultimate sacrifice so when jesus died on the cross for our sins he became our Passover lamb. There is a distinct connection between these two moments in history separated by thousands upon thousands of years. There is a distinct connection. This story becomes our story. So when John declares, behold the lamb he's saying gaze upon him, observe him, think about him, grasp him, recognize him. The invitation is for you and for me, for us, to open our eyes, to pay attention, to perceive the deeper truths, not just look with your physical eyes, but with the eyes of your heart and recognize that this is the Lamb of God who's come to set you free and to deliver you from death and slavery. Is this a part of your story? Have you met the sacrificial lamb? Do you behold the lamb and see what he's done for you and what he continues to do for you and what he can do for you? To behold the Lamb is to comprehend, together with all of God's people, going all the way back to this chapter in Exodus, to the ancient truth of a God who, out of grace and love, delivers his creation from death and decay. To make this our story to let it shape and form our identity and to let it shape and form our understanding of God. This is our God. This is what he does. This is his primary business. He sets about out of love and grace, setting people free through the blood of the Lamb. And the invitation is to make him the center of our worship. To constantly come back to this as our core identity. To behold the lamb. To behold the lamb. Is to behold a God who hears the cry for help. And who sends his son to die that we might live. So when I think about great moments of freedom. I think about the first time I beheld the Lamb. Never been to church before, didn't grow up in a Christian household, grew up in a very liberal household, and came out of a very broken home. Had all sorts of thoughts about Christianity, which I can't share in this building, and had certainly never opened the Bible before. And I was in Paris Living in Paris with my girlfriend, I opened the Bible for the first time in my life. I was kind of spiritually searching. Had no intention, just want to make this very clear, no intention of becoming a Christian. I think if you told me then that you were going to end up being an ordained pastor in the Church of England, I think I would have laughed, cried, or punched you in the face. One one of those three. And I opened the Bible. And I read this scripture from 2 Chronicles 29.11. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to be ministers and make offerings to him. And all I could describe happening was it was like a liquid capsule of warm love penetrated my core, penetrated my soul, and completely overwhelmed me with the presence of God. I started to shake, I started to cry. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And my girlfriend looked up. She was sitting on the sofa. It was in the morning, so I wasn't high. And she literally said, what on earth is going on with you? And I said, I just feel God's love for the first time in my life. And the second thing I said is, if we could cap this, we'd be millionaires tomorrow. (laughs) Because the street value, (laughs) because that was my worldview." Not knowing what was happening and searching for an explanation, this experience continued to happen until I find myself voluntarily walking into a church in the middle of Paris. And they had a guest speaker in. He was an evangelist from London in Paris that Sunday. And he gave a message, Behold the Lamb. And he walked through the story of the gospel and Jesus' sacrifice from sin. And then he did this really weird thing. He just said, if anyone wants to respond to what I've said and wants to come down the front and receive prayer, then I'd love to invite you to do that. And everything in me said, dude, keep it together. This is ridiculous, do not do this. Unfortunately, I found my legs ignoring my message from my head and I got up and I walked down the middle aisle And I collapsed at the altar of this church, Anglican church, old Anglican church, in the middle of Paris. And I beheld the Lamb. And all I can tell you is it was totally extraordinary. The experience of God's love and grace untethering my soul from the stuff that had me enslaved. Deliverance of freedom. When I beheld Him, all the weight of the stuff I'd done to people in a fairly wayward, colorful life, and all the weight of the stuff that had been done to me had began to lose its grip. The pain, the anger, the hurt, the addiction, the shame, the compulsion, started to loosen its grip on my soul, and I have become free. Behold, The Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who's come to set you free. This is the power of Passover. I'd love to pray for us.